We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to the 500th episode of Talking Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you for locking in, whether it's the video side, the audio side. This is a, uh, like I said, a milestone for me. Anyway, 500th episode. We are doing this live at Imperial Pizza in South Buffalo. And for this episode, I had to have... These two guys, if you're watching on video, they don't need any introduction, but if you're listening on audio, I suppose they do. Sal Capaccio, Tim Graham, quite literally, like I said, this is episode 500. Sal and Tim were the first two guests that I ever had on the podcast, so I had to have you guys back. Thank you very, very much, both you guys, for uh, for doing this, man. How you guys doing? Good, and congrats, man. 500 episodes, that's pretty awesome. Thank you, man. Congratulations and an honor to be on 500, just as it was to be one of the early foundational pieces. I've told this story. When I started this podcast in 2018, it launched in February 2018. When I started planning it, you two guys and Tyler Dunn were the three people before I even launched that I talked to. I said, I got to have you guys on first right away. Because, you know, besides being good conversations, and plus, I, I knew you guys before the podcast. I, I just knew that it would help bring some instant credibility. So I guess I was kind of using you guys. Always been a fan of your work uh, from the tabloid days. Yeah, I, yeah I, from uh, you were trying to, you tried to win the contest to be a writer at FoxSports.com, I, I think, right? I did. And I remember that when you were going through that. Funny story, too, is at that time, I was actually working on a blog that was headed by Tyler Dunn. Wow. Who, who was okay. a blogger before his career launched. And obviously, he's went on to do uh, great things. So like I said, we're here at Imperial Pizza. He's blogging again, really. It's all come full circle. His, yeah, blogs, are, his blogs are just 15,000 words long. <laughs> I mean, it's funny to say that about Tyler. He's blogging again, too. Like, it's he so blogged funny a how, book. Yeah, that's right. It's how, how everything comes kind of full circle. Like, you remember back in the days when I was, like, doing my podcast in mom's basement. The reason I was called that was because podcasting was so new. People thought, what is this thing? Like, you know, what's going on here? And now everybody's podcasting, right? So it's kind of weird how everything has kind of come back full circle like that. It really, it truly has. So again, we're doing this here at Imperial Pizza. I've been here many times. I've done shows here before. I've had guests here before. 
interesting for both you guys. This is your first time for both of you here. So what's your first impressions of this bar? And also we sat down and we had some wings. We had some medium wings. We had medium Cajun and we had some medium Chevettes. What, what was your guys' impressions? Well, I polished off the plate of the medium Chevettes and the Cajun. I don't know that I had the most, but they were dangling around. I felt the urge to uh, complete the complete the catch all the way to the turf. This place is great, and um, obviously, I'm not a sponsor, or I'm not being sponsored by Imperial Pizza. So, I will say that I love the high ceilings. It's well lit. The aesthetic is great. There's fantastic energy in here. You have the high tops. You have the dining area. You have the bar which is a complete oval with TVs all the way around. Uh, the wings were fantastic. You made it a point to mention how clean the lines are, which you know that's important for me. I it like is. how clean lines One of the biggest disappointments in going to a bar is when they have bad lines because it doesn't matter what beer is going through there and whether it's a microbrew or a Miller Lite. If the lines aren't any good, then they come out funky. This is great. Um, the pizza ovens are right there. Did you know 28 decks... 28 pizza ovens, two pizzas at a time here at Imperial Pizza. You can make 56 pizzas at once, the most in Western New York. That's believed to be the case. See, I don't just come here He's an and soak it in. He's an historian now. Suddenly. I come in here, here and I learn. My journalistic curiosity. I did some reporting. I, love it. I did some reporting here. And, uh, yeah, this place is fantastic. Yeah, and, you know, um, I was blown away when I was driving up Abbott Road. I knew kind of where it was, but... So a little known fact about me, maybe, but I actually, when I was born, I was born on Shore, when I lived on Shoreham in North Buffalo for like maybe the uh, first couple years of my life. Mm -hmm. And then, but we, I grew up before I, for my maybe ages two, three, four, before I was five years old, right here on Woodside in South Buffalo, lived Ron here. The corner, so yeah. I, I'm a, my mom's a South Buffalo girl. She grew up in South Buffalo. So, but I didn't remember ever coming here or anything like that. And that was a long time ago. They said this was built in 92. I think he said, or opened in 92. I didn't know where it was. I pull up and I'm like, wait a minute, that, that's it? That's like this huge restaurant. You walk in, it's spacious. There's a lot of people here. This is not some dive bar, if you will. No offense to dive bars or some great ones in Buffalo, right? But I agree with Tim. Like, you got all the things you want if you want to come here and hang out with the family or your friends, just have a conversation like this. And then the food was really good. I'm more of just a kind of a medium wing guy. I like the different flavors, but you know, give me just the old school type stuff. And that was great. I can see seven televisions with barely, without barely turning my head. <laughs> there's one behind your and head. There's too. one behind me. I on keep, I'm not counting. <laughs> um, no, it's great. And there's a patio out front. Yeah. It's nice in the summer. So incredible. Just a ton of, ton of space. You I know, dig it. I, I want to say this too. And, and, and I'm not just saying it because they're sponsoring the episode and, and we had some, some wings from this place. I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before, and this is what, what I like about places like this. A, a, a very close friend of mine has cancer, and we put together a benefit for him, and we did it in a relatively short amount of time. And when we went to, you know, we were planning food and, and prizes and all this stuff, and we came here, and we told him what was going on, and, and Ryan, the guy who the benefits for, he was born and raised in South Buffalo. He grew up in South Buffalo. And we asked them if they could donate, you know, a couple pizzas, maybe give us a couple pizzas, maybe give us a discount on some stuff. No questions asked. 15 party pizzas donated. Amazing. Did not refuse to take a penny from us. I like places like this. And I know there's other places in other neighborhoods, too. I'm sure you guys know this in the neighborhoods you live at where some 
some places make their money, some places give back. And this is one of those places that's really into the community. I'm here a lot, so I see it, man. They're always sponsoring Little League baseball teams, sports teams. They're always doing stuff for the community. So, you know, I really, I, I like places that go above and beyond to uh, give back to their communities. That's one of the things I love about Imperial. And the wings were fantastic. Three for three on the flavors that we tried. Yeah, for sure. Very sportsy in here. Patrick Kane obviously grew up very close to here. We were talking with Ryan, I believe it is, right? The GM. Yeah. Talking with him. Uh, about that, you look around, the jerseys and stuff. When you come in here, you know this is a Buffalo sports place. It is. I do have one quibble, actually, Uh-oh. a question. What's that? Now that Brian, the manager, I think, has left once we got started, what's with the Joe Montana big <laughs> thing? I mean, yeah. It is I mean, random, isn't it? I mean, Jim Craig, <laughs> at least that's the United States. You know, that's the yeah. miracle on ice. But Joe Montana? I mean, yeah, can't that... we get, uh, I mean, let's even think of a oh, non- Tom Mikowski. Yeah, Don McCouse. How about that? That would that's perfect. That's right, right. what I was kind of looking for. We didn't even need to be a superstar. Do Jaws. Ron Jaworski. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> There's another thing about this place too. Rob Gronkowski. If you're you gonna go. go with a different team. It's Tim Kennedy's up there. I got your Jim Kennedy jersey there up there. Go. So a lot of Buffalo represented. Yeah, the, the Montana does feel kind of random. One thing about this place is I'm looking, and to be fair, it's literally the day after Halloween, but still. I had Joe Yurden on my show. I have him on every Tuesday and we talked, and I kind of pissed him off a little bit because I said to me, November 1st starts Christmas season. Now, a lot of people say that's after Thanksgiving. I say that because I'm looking around and there's still Halloween decorations up, even though it's November 1st. Technically, in my mind, we're in the Christmas season. When does Christmas season start for you guys? Tim's looking at me like I'm crazy. Uh, It's after after Thanksgiving Thanksgiving for me. Is it really? We had a rule growing up, no Christmas music in the house until the day after Thanksgiving. You know, the Johnny Mathis and the Neil Diamond and the Engelbert <laughs> Humperdinck albums that, and the KTEL versions with all the different, you know, uh, different collections. You know, those were not allowed to be brought out. See, I could listen to Christmas music like year round. I, I love Christmas music, Elvis Christmas. I could listen to it. But I mean, no decorations the, the, for me. It's no, it's what's I go by this. I have an eight year old son. It's like, OK, we just said Halloween. Take it down. What are the next decorations we're putting up? It's turkeys and Thanksgiving and leaves. And that's not like a that. season, though. That's a day. That's an event. That's dinner. That's, and then you that's transition to Christmas after that. <laughs> Maybe it's because I lived in Florida for five years, and I, I ne- it never felt like Christmas. I loved a lot of things about Florida. Which I want to talk about that with both you guys, because now that I have you both on the show at the same time, you guys have also both lived in Florida before. One of the things, I mean, there was a lot of things I like about Florida. One thing I hated is that it never felt like Christmas. It was always cosmetic. You know what I mean? Because it's just so sure. nice out. So I wanted to enjoy the season more. So I think maybe that's why I get an earlier start. I know I'm catching a lot of shit for uh, on Twitter and, and Facebook because I said today's Christmas season and that's you not deserve cool. it. I would not see. Well, <laughs> all right. So there's, there's, a little, there's a little elbow touch there. Sal being sarcastic. I say you don't deserve it because you can do whatever the hell you want. It's the same as the guy who wants to dip his wings in ranch. Go right ahead. I mean, who are we? I mean, the rules that are out there on what you can and can't do. You asked us. I wouldn't have brought it up if you didn't ask. You asked what it is in growing up day after Thanksgiving. I don't care. If you can make wings, this is is one of my things that I bring up about dipping your wings. Dip them in ketchup for all I care. You can actually make the wings in any sauce that you can conjure up. Anything that you can fathom. You're allowed to put it in that type of sauce, but you're allowed to only dip it into one thing. At what point does it come to the, like the dipping? No. Oh, no. 
you are going straight to hell for <laughs> dipping your jalapeno uh, habanero mango infused uh, while rolled in uh, Jolly Rancher dust wing. <laughs> That's okay, but you're not but allowed not to dip it into whatever the hell you want to dip it in. I don't use blue cheese or ranch. I don't dip, I don't dip in anything. I didn't dip any of my... I, now, no. if it's hot, I will. But those wings that we had earlier... I noticed they, that. They you didn't, guys didn't use... I, I use the blue cheese. You use blue cheese, yeah. I'm not and a ranch guy, blue cheese guy. Yeah, it was weird. I, did not, I noticed you guys didn't dip anything. We're, we're, well, you I, like them just I, like that? Well, my, my, I have a rule. I will not dip a wing if there are Halloween decorations out. <laughs> and there you go. Had there been... Had there been other decorations, I would have dipped. <laughs> All right. I, I deserve that. So you guys both lived in Florida. I wanted to ask you, and so I know we've talked about this in depth before. Tim, I don't remember if we talked about it, but how long were you in Florida for? I know you covered the Dolphins. And two that's years. Why you, were you were in two years. What were your impressions of Florida? Like, What did you like most about Florida, and, and what did you like the least about living in Florida? What I liked most about Florida was the opportunity that it gave me to cover the NFL, which I guess I could have done anywhere. That's mm. not a Florida thing, but that's just what I went down there to do. I went down to the Palm Beach Post to cover the Miami Dolphins after seven years of covering the National Hockey League. I liked December through February, yeah. I guess, but I otherwise really disliked Florida. It never felt like home. I've lived in a lot of places. I lived in Boston. I grew up in Ohio. I lived in Las Vegas. Moved to Buffalo. Every place I was, I immediately felt like I was at home. Mm-hmm. It just, I, and I got to the point where I thought it doesn't matter where I live. I'm always gonna find my my home. And the entire time I was in Florida, I never felt comfortable. It just never felt like home, and I don't know why. I have my theories. I think it's because people are from so many other places. Yeah, yeah. And Very it's such transient. a cosmopolitan area too that there are so many people not just from other parts of the country. They're from other countries other mm. nations um and again that's j- but it just never had a feeling of community it was just like you I had agree. your little neighborhood that you lived in and it was probably gated or it could have been gated or in uh fort lauderdale area where i was canaled off right. and you just had to get, always get in your car to go somewhere yeah i, I agree 100 it was the same deal with me it's easy to fit in when you live, like, say, I lived in a complex and nobody was from Florida. Everybody's from somewhere else. And you also had the snowbird year. season, which was sure. kind of made it weird. There'd be traffic half the year, a lot less traffic in the summer. But there's people that would be your neighbor for only six months. Yeah. Now, say, I used to, you lived in Florida longer than both of 16 us. 16 years. Yeah, you were there for a long time. And it was not just professional. It was also personal reasons You were on the well. East Coast. Right? Yes, Fort Lauderdale. And I was in on the West Coast. I was a little like you. Yes. Yeah. A little south of where you yep. were. A little south of Sarasota. And I have to tell you, you know this. I'll say this now. I know people like, not to be, this is not hyperbolic whatsoever. The town that I lived in just got completely devastated by the hurricane. Yeah, yeah. Englewood was wiped out. It yep. was horrible. Yep. I have friends that didn't have homes anymore. Yep. And it's horrible. And it's, I, I feel so bad for them. I've, I've seen pictures and videos, the local news going there. And people I play golf with, friends of mine for many years, they just, they have nowhere to live. And people are trying to help them out. Um, I, I, the thing about getting in your car, like, that's the weirdest thing. You come back to Buffalo, everything's 20 minutes away, right? No matter where you go in Buffalo. Yeah. It's 20 minutes away. You're there. Oh, my God. You had to get in your car and drive to the local grocery store. It's a half hour away from, you know, where I And that's your local grocery store. Yes. That's not like, you're not going from Getzville to... Right. 
Hamburg. Unbelievable. I, it, it, that was one of the things I really hated. But look, it, it wasn't a horrible experience at all. I loved my time there for the fact that I met some great people who are still friends of mine. And look, I was a, I was a teacher and a coach. And I, I really got to become family with a lot of people sure. who had kids growing up and people my age and kids growing up. And I got to coach their kids and be a part of their lives. And those people are still friends of mine. And I loved that part of it for sure. There's no doubt. I also loved being able to play golf kind of whenever I wanted. Yeah. Right, whenever you want. I got to play golf. I never, I never played golf growing up. Started in my mid-20s living in Florida. And I loved it. And I, the game got me. Like, I got the bug. So I loved that. But um, I think, you know, I agree with you guys about there's just a lack of sense of everybody's from somewhere else. So like, you don't have this, you don't have one thing to kind of rally around because it's all different things. And that's okay. And that can have its positives, no doubt about it. Um, but yeah, not, not knowing that everyone's from somewhere else and wherever you go, you're not really here. It's go bills, right? Wherever you walk, it's go no bills. Everybody, everybody has a sense of love towards the same goal. Kind of right. Wasn't the same down there. High school football was awesome. The football down there in the high school level, yeah. it was just another world. And, and, and I'll say I was a track coach guys. Yeah. I saw Sammy Watkins and uh, Mike Bellamy who went to Clemson, like go at it on a Friday night. Right. Like and. The stands are packed for a 200-yard dash, 200-meter dash. shouldn't say yard. 200-meter dash. And being a part of that was cool to see some of those athletes and be in that scene. I, I really enjoyed that. I want to kind of switch gears a little bit. So I've had you guys on the show multiple times, both of you. But it's been a while, and things have really changed, like even in the last year or so. Last time I talked to both of you guys, you know, there were so many co- was going COVID and protocols, and you guys had to do all your work via Zoom and stuff like that. Now locker rooms are open again, and it's kind of like normalcy. I feel like I'm being rhetorical by asking how much of a relief that is, because of course it makes it easier for to you to do your job. Talk a little bit about the challenges that you guys, both of you, and you know, different avenues of your careers. But it was kind of the same because your jobs were made to be more difficult because of how you had to communicate and stuff like that. But talk about that, like then versus now. Well, I found that I didn't have to go to the games uh, on the road, mm-hmm. and I probably didn't need to go to the home games either because you're seeing the same things. Now, Sal can't have that answer because his job is being is the whole point is being on the sideline, right? But when everything was Zoom related. Uh, on the road or podium related and you can listen to the, the the audio feed on either the Bills website or on WGR or whatever station is playing it. I didn't have to go to the games. Uh, here's a perfect example. Um, I love going into the locker room and seeing what I call color. You know, the things that paint a picture that take the, the reader to places that they can't go right. or see things that they wouldn't know existed. And after the game at Arrowhead Stadium, after Von Miller had done his lengthy post-game news conference, because that's what he does, he's just so gregarious and likes to talk, mm-hmm. which is great for us. But then you had the Peter Kings and the Dan Grazianos and Sam Farmers who were there, the national reporters, so they all want to talk to Von Miller, and he's gracious enough to talk to them. Then he goes into the locker room, and he does a couple of one-on-ones at his locker stall. And then finally, and I knew it as soon as I saw it, that it was going to resonate with Bill's fans. He sits down on his stool without his shirt on, without his socks on, and he cracks open a blue light. <laughs> and he stared at the floor because he finally had a moment of peace of, and reflection and drank his blue light. Now, I didn't want to pander or use that. I didn't want to... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, 
I didn't want to just totally uh, exploit that for clicks. Sure. So I wait. I tweeted out my story in different forms, and then finally that next night, I I used the passage about how he cracked open the blue light, mm-hmm. and the clicks and the subscriptions skyrocketed wow. because Bills fans are like, he is one of us. I love this, and yeah, I w- I didn't want to exploit that, but I knew fans were gonna love it. Yeah, and they did, and those are the things that you don't get—little pieces of who these guys are, how they think, the warrior uh, after the battle, or I use the the metaphor: dad after a long day at the foundry comes home, undoes his belt, sits in his recliner with his with his feet uh, bare, and cracks open his Miller High Life. <laughs> Anybody can look at that and say, "I know that guy. I am that guy." Yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, there's two parts of my job, as Tim alluded to. One's being on the sidelines and one's being the beat reporter, right, sure. in my normal job. But first of all, before I get into that, I'll say, like, I, I'll even use – I'm going to use Tim as a great example here on Sunday. Like, I watched him work sometimes from afar. You don't know, you didn't even notice I was noticing, but – No, like I always I, know that Sal is watching me, usually through a window. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, you know, we go in the locker room after the Sunday night game, and I noticed him. He's milling around like everybody else, but then he, he waits for his – you know, opportunity to be able to have a, a respectful one-on-one conversation. I know you go to Devin Singletary's locker mm-hmm. afterwards. I noticed that, and Tim's role is different than mine. He's he's getting he's getting things that you know he wants to bring to people that might, you might not get from all the other interviews that that right. person's doing right. in a scrum. My job's different. Sure, I could do that, but really, what I got to do is get sound for my station. Right, that's what I got to do. I got to stick my mic in that scrum. Right. Okay. So that part of it's different. I I love like seeing that. I love seeing honestly. Like part of my you say what's different. What do we like about it? I love seeing that, that we have the ability, a guy like Tim, who's so good at what he does, can go up to a player after they're done with the scrum and just have a nice one-on-one conversation to get the kind of stuff and content he needs for his story. Now, I'm different. I don't need to do that. I still do it, like talking with players afterwards, but it's not for the same purpose as he is. For me, it's more about background stuff. I'm not using it on the record, so to speak. I'm just, if I have to go on the radio and talk with Chopin the Bulldog about something like, yeah, I talk with him about that a little bit, right? Something like that. What I do really enjoy, though, is when we had the Zooms, it's so formal and impersonal. And you have to mm. raise your hand. You get one or two questions. I'm sticking a mic in there, but I can ask my question. I can follow up with a question. Someone, you ask a question, I'm like, oh, well, tell me more about that, right? You can't do that in the Zoom. You don't really have that because it's go to one, go to two, go to three, go to four, go to five. So that's the part about it I like. But we're all in this different spot. Now, remember... I was a very, very lucky person because of my job during the pandemic. I got to be at the games. I got to be in the stadium. I got to be in the moat because of my job on the sidelines. I could, I could see so much more of what any the fans could see because they weren't there, right? So I enjoyed that part of it. But, oh, my God, it was an empty stadium. It was like going to those high school games in Florida. How weird was that? Being in an empty right? stadium. I mean, I know it's an old question now, but covering a game when there's no fans It was in wild, the man. It was like going to a high school game. All you heard were the coaches yelling on the sidelines and the referees talking. And you're standing there like, this is incredible. And the a game, junior varsity game. Because yes, some, nobody's right, there. Some high school games, there's at least a few fans. Yes. And, I mean, I couldn't be on the field. I had to be in the moat, which was fine for my job. But getting the feeling back, I, I feed off that. I need to be down there. I, I need that in my, my own DNA, my own energy, and being around the fans. That's what gives me color for my job and clarity to talk about things. You guys get to work together, too, because you, you do the Channel 4 pregame. You guys, Heather, uh, Matt, Josh, talk about that a little bit. It, it looks like, as a viewer, it, it looks like you guys are having fun when you're doing the show. I think so. I mean, 
Sometimes I think it's a little crowded, but they do a good job of trying to kind of yeah. squeeze everybody in. Like I think sometimes I've said to Josh before, and he knows this. I'll say this on the air. I say, like, well, like I do a three-hour radio show by myself, but yet we have six people for a half-hour TV show. Yeah. But they have so many elements they have to take care of, and there's certain reasons why they want to do that. Um, yeah, we have fun. I think the the best part is like we do. We we get along. I think for the most part, and you know, everybody's kind of got their own thing to talk about, but we can have a little fun with it. Yeah, I agree. I think that Sal and I and Matt Perino, I think we wing it a little bit because we're brought in based on the fact that we have the knowledge of everything we've been talking and writing about all throughout the week. So a lot of the groundwork and some of the unsung heroes like Scott Swenson behind the camera or Mike Courtney, the producer, who's always back in the studio or Heather, who sometimes I always feel bad for Heather uh, when she has to do the show by herself. Now on the road games, I'm there with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I don't go to the Bills game on the road, but she's back there by herself while we're all out at the stadium, and uh, there's just kind of a disconnect for Heather that she has to deal with. But with us, we're able to show up and just talk and uh, and bring up things that we think are interesting. It's not scripted. There's a rundown. There are some things that points that they want to hit, but we can do it on the fly if there's an interesting uh inactive uh player when the inactives come out or that type of thing that's um we're a lot we we adjust on the fly a lot want to talk coming by saying hi i met a couple of people earlier who came in they were from texas and they were here eating and they said they came here tonight because the show was here and you were doing this hi i love it thank you what's your name katie thank you so much see look at that i love live shows this is why we do these live shows every now and then <laughs> Moms in fantasy football need some help. You want? That's awesome. <laughs> Naeem Hines, there you go. I love it. I love it. We're gonna t- Thank you. We're, we're gonna really t- appreciate you guys. We're going to talk about Naeem Hines in just a couple of minutes. This is what I love doing these live shows. The dynamic when you sit down with somebody is. You guys know you both have podcasts. You do one with Matt Bovey and Tim. You have yours with Joan and you have guests on. The dynamic is different when you get an opportunity to actually sit what, down. I think with, what Timmy said about the scripted stuff is great. Like this is people have said to me before. Well, you ever want to do TV? Like, sure, as long as it's unscripted TV. Like, I don't want to read from a teleprompter, right? right? Like, that's not what we're good at. That's right. I don't want to do that. Like, I, I I'm not reading highlights. I want to talk. That's what I do. Talk, talk Part about of my gig when I first started doing the shows at Channel Four. I had to go in during the week. This is when Nick Filipowski was. Uh, I was doing the show, and I had to do voiceovers. They would put uh, footage underneath, like I was doing some sort of essay, like NFL film style thing on a on a topic, um, and yeah, I didn't like that because I had to write. I was like, I, I do this for my regular job, That's right? And, and I don't want to have to write up write a script. In today's sports media world, whether you're an athlete, especially if you're in the media, you almost have to have a podcast, though. Uh, almost everyone, to some extent or some degree, is part of a podcast. You guys are busy. I mean, Tim, you're a feature writer. You're writing long-form stories all the time. Sal, you're a beat reporter. You're on the sidelines, but yet you both have podcasts. Like I said, Sal does one with Matt Bovee, and Tim has a Tim Graham show. Can that be? I know it's fun at times, but also, like I said, when you have a busy schedule and a career and, and family and stuff like that, can it be a little bit of a grind having to also do a podcast? Yeah, well, I have a sponsor who I have to make mm-hmm. happy, yeah. and uh, there are some stipulations to the sponsorship. So, yeah, there are times when I'm in a time crunch and I have to find time to do it. But it's also on my own schedule. Jonah Bronstein and I will get together and say, hey, do you want to do it at 2 this afternoon? Sometimes we're doing it at 11 in the morning. Sometimes we're doing it at 10 at night. 
And so we have that flexibility that we didn't with the radio show when we were still on at Cumulus. And thankfully, the sponsor came with me. So we don't have to be in the studio at this specific hour and have a guest ready for this specific hour. I can reach out to a guest like Eric Wood, who I had on last week, and say, Eric, when's it good for you? Yeah. I'll, we'll we'll make and So that's what we did. Same thing with Tyler Dunn when he was on to plug his book. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sports fans who like to wager, I'm here to tell you about Odds Trader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds live up to the minute, look no further than Odds Trader. Why is Odds Trader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does that matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw down some cash on them. You're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting on the underdogs or whether you're profiting the most if you're going with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different signup codes and promos from the sports books so that you can get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, Odds Trader, the app, also gives you player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which by the way, that could be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a betting tracker so they can keep records of all your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, Odds Trader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're in this betting on sports games, any sport by the way, make sure you go to oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Again, that's oddstrader.com dot com slash blue wire odds trader the number one site for all your game day bets you know you say you have to have one i agree with that and that's kind of the challenge that i face sometimes and my struggle is we're we're all doing this and we're, we're all trying to keep up and i want to do that but it's almost like everything i do i almost have to do myself and put all that time into it right like I, of course, I have people I work with at my station and Odyssey and all that kind of stuff. But really, if you want to do it right and you want to do this, like you do, you do all this stuff yourself, really. Like I got to do that. And like, when do I find time? And I'm thinking, well, I can't really, I, I want to do more of that. I really do because you have to do more of it, I think. But at the same time, I don't really have the time to do more of it. And when I find time, I love it. I love having guests on. I love creating connections and putting out that content. 
And then I look and see what you're doing or Matt Perino's doing or Tim's doing or someone's doing. I'm like, I need to do that to keep up. But at the same time, I don't know how to kind of, that's the struggle I have all the time. Yeah, time. You know, you can't buy time. I will it's say like so many this, hours. though. I don't think that we need to do it. And I don't know how many people notice or are keeping score. Oh, Tim Graham has a podcast. Therefore, oh, but this guy doesn't or vice versa. If I stopped doing my podcast, I don't think that I'd take any kind of hit for right. that in terms of. True. Yeah, but he doesn't have a podcast. True. But. Well, don't do that, though. Do you think, though, do you ever think, though, that it doesn't it doesn't keep your, your name and your content out there enough compared to what it should be? Because it doesn't that, that's hurt, the struggle but for there's me. also diminishing returns at some sure. point. Yeah. If you're out there a lot, as it yeah. is, and we have our regular employers who pay us to yeah. do what we do, and then we're also doing Channel 4, and we, we do Pat's podcast, and we're always doing other people's podcasts as a guest, yep. or doing this radio show, or a television thing, or whatever. Um, no, I think at some point, people just know we're out there. We're, we're out there. I'm using finger quotes if you're <laughs> listening. You're just out there. They don't necessarily know why you're out there. Sometimes they, they, don't, they don't even remember where I work. I still have people come up to me all the time and tell me they love that story I wrote in the Buffalo News. <laughs> and it's not that they saw it in The Athletic and got confused. They thought I was Jay Skursky or whatever, because I don't think people pay that close of attention as we do. I think we pay more attention sometimes yep, yep. than the audience does. Yeah, I, people still call me Joe Biscalia, so it's okay. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I like both your shows for different reasons. Like you and Matt, it sounds it sounds like you're in a studio. You know what I mean? If I didn't know any better, I would think you guys were inside a TV or a radio station taping every episode. Whereas Tim's, it's completely different. It's much more formal. It's like you're just having a regular casual yeah. conversation with some dancing little moonlight music going on. You know what I mean? I, I, I <laughs> Seriously, I, I really do. I enjoy it for that reason. I think to some extent, a podcast isn't supposed to sound like like when you're on the radio, like when you and Joe are on the Agreed. radio every morning. You but know see, but I mean? that's why I started sales sports and stuff. The other podcast, right, I I've love done, that show. And I love it. But the problem is the challenge is exactly what you said, time. the time. Time. Right? And like I have all these other things and I want to do that. And then it's like, but I also would, I want it to be, I want, I do want there to be a payback at some point. Right? Sure. And I'm like, if you're doing it, is it worth it? Are people listening? Can you make money off it? Some, in some way, it doesn't even have to be money. Right. Is there a payback for it? And I'm like, I just, I don't know. And, and that's what sales sports and stuff was started because I want to do non-sports talk. I want to do stuff with people just like life stuff with people. But then it got into a little bit, well, but my audience comes to me for sports stuff. So I get very kind of crossed over in my own mind about that. One of the things I like about both of you guys, and again, you guys are the first two people I ever asked to be on this podcast over four years ago, going on almost five years ago now, which maybe is a detriment to both of you, is that you guys really spread yourselves thin. <laughs> and here's what I mean by that. Like, yeah, so you have your own careers, you have your own jobs, you have your own families, you have your podcasts, but yet it always seems like you guys are doing someone else's show too, whenever asked. And I've always had people always, because I've had you guys on, and they know that I have a relationship with you guys. You're like, well, how do you get sale on, or how do you get Tim on? I'm like, ask them. But more times than not, you guys are going to do it. And this goes back even before I had the podcast, when Tim was blogging for uh, ESPN, and I, and I had Buffalo Sports Daily, and I used to... What up, something? I'd send it to you. If it was something that was worth it to you, you would plug it, you know, when you had your AFC links every morning. Going back to you, when we were on Buffalo Bills Zone, and, you know, you were starting to make a name for yourself doing videos and stuff like that, and you did a couple game preview videos and stuff like that. You guys didn't have to do that. So uh, you guys are generous, and I'm not just saying that because you're sitting here next to me. I, I truly mean that. But you ever feel like sometimes you're borderline kind of almost spreading yourself a little too thin? Sometimes I have to say no. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but I generally don't. For instance, last night I was going to do a podcast. Or I, th- I thought I might be able to, but I was on the hook for Halloween duties mm-hmm. uh, at home and I couldn't do it. Um, but I intended to do it. Sure. And in my mind, I thought I was going to be able to do it. Um, to me, it's about giving back yep. as much as possible. And that's, I guess, sounds kind of arrogant coming out of my mouth because giving back it's is not. like, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's not like it's a philanthropic type of thing. I like the camaraderie of it. And yeah, there's some a-holes in our business who I, I've had enough of and I don't want to deal with or help them out. Right. But in general, I will help out anybody. Uh, who wants, if you feel like I can add something to your podcast, thank you. It's an honor that you would want me to have my voice on here to, to say whatever it is. I could say whatever the hell it's going to be. Yeah. Um, I'm flattered to do it. Yeah, I would say I'm a people pleaser. And sometimes that is to a fault because of this, right? Be like you, you I try to, I, I try never to say no. I say yes to everybody because I want to help out and I want to be a people pleaser. I want them to Think highly of me, think kind of me, but also because I want to help them get where they want to go. For example, today, just before coming here, I did a video cast with a kid from a college radio station. Mm-hmm. And he had this thing and he wanted to do it. And he reached out. I'm like, absolutely. We we set it up weeks ago. Um, last night, I was on a guy's thing. Uh, it was a 9.30 p.m. thing. He had me out for an hour. I'm like, finally, I told him like in the chat box. I'm like, dude, I got to get, get going. Like, I'm tired. Right. But, but I wanted to be there for him to do mm-hmm. it, right? I mean- that's the point. I think the camaraderie part is a really good one. We all try to help each other. I mean, why not? We're, we're all kind of in this It together. sounds so simple, but it's, it, it, there's a lot of people, and I'm not going to throw names out. I'm not going to throw shade at anyone specifically. It sounds, in theory, really simple. You make a name for yourself, try to give back when you can within reason. But here's another there's layer. There's people out there who don't it. do that, though. I'm telling you. True. I know there aren't. But another layer, and there's a reason Sal has never been on my podcast, and Joe Biscali has been on exactly once. And Matthew, Fairber, um, Matthew Perino has been on exactly once. And there are a lot of guys who aren't on at all. And I'll ne- because I don't like to ask because I know they'll say yes. And I never want to put somebody in that position because they're always doing it. Yeah. And it's like, I, and why would I have Sal on my show to talk about what he tells his employer and gets paid for and ask him to do it for free? Right. You know, so that's why I, I generally like, I, I stay away from the guys in the business um, because I don't want to uh, take advantage because I know he'll say yes if I ask him. That's fair. Well, I'm not that same way. <laughs> to, be, <laughs> to be fair, though, I use you guys for the for the meaningful episodes. Like I said, episodes one and two, episode 100. No, I but Pat, my two-year anniversary. It's different. You don't do this for a living. Right, right. True, true. Sal and I do this for a living. Right, I get it. You yeah. Know. Joe Biscalia does it for a living. He gets paid. He gets paid by the athletic for his podcast. Sure. So, I mean, it's like, I don't know. It's just different. And in the off season, I had like on our, on the extra point show with Jody Biasi and I, we'd always, we'd, we'd tap into, you know, Josh Reed and John Scott, Heather, but I don't do that as much during the season because we're all there every day anyway, reporting on the same things, right? right. I need more perspectives from the outside people. And you guys you are know? busy. What's that? And you guys are busy as shit too. Right, right, right. But I mean, like, I, I want to give listeners, I think sometimes, boy, am I saturating them with the Buffalo opinion? I want to give them an outside perspective. I want to get a fantasy football. Yeah, if you were to have person. me on the show, chances are they heard it on my own podcast already. Correct. Or on Channel 4 on BKL yeah, right. or whatever, right? Or just one of us having the same. We saw the same thing at practice when we were out there. We talked to the same guy right. at his stall, right? So I think that's the challenge as well. Mayor with Sal Capaccio and Tim Graham, Imperial Pizza, episode 500, Talk About Flow podcast. 
Before I let you guys go, let's spend a couple minutes talking Buffalo Bills here. So this was NFL trade deadline day. A lot of uh, speculation that the Bills would get a running back, and they do. They end up trading for nine times. They also bring back safety Dean Marlowe. Uh, just let me get your initial thoughts on that. We, we, I think maybe there's not as much excitement about Hines, not because he's not a good player, but maybe because of Jake Glazer's report on Sunday that the Bills were fishing around for Alvin Kamara and seeing. So what it's might funny you have Tim and I on. So Tim and I both last week reported very, 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 very close to each other as far as proximity, and also the same thing. Which two is minutes, two minutes apart from each other. So we obviously had the same source that told us the same thing. 50% of it was verbatim. <laughs> right. Okay. Right, which we, just, is, we just write differently. Otherwise, right. they would have been verbatim. And the report was to basically shoot down another report that said the Bills offered a second for Christian McCaffrey. And both of us learned the same thing, which is basically they did not. They did make a call, and then they never gave an official offer. Mm-hmm. But let's go to what happened today, and let's go back to that report about McCaffrey and then that report about Kamara. I will tell you, from everybody I talk to, and I'm – I'm I'm confident to say that I I'm pretty positive the Bills were never really super interested in going, you know, giving up what it would it take for a Kamara or a McCaffrey or anybody right. like that. But they have to do their diligence. diligence. They have to make a phone call. They have to see what is the price. Are you gonna give them to me for free? Six round pick? Whatever. That's not gonna be the case. Naeem Hines is different. That's it. Six round pick. You know, Zach Moss doesn't have this huge contract to be saddled with. But I will tell you, I'm very confident in the people. In fact, I will go a step further. I would say that the Alvin Kamara thing may have come from the Saints trying to put his name out there because they might have wanted to trade him and see what they could get, which is why the Eagles were linked and then the Bills were linked. And I'm pretty confident saying the Bills were never truly interested in doing something like that. Right. And a source told me that the Bills actually did call the Saints, but it's like, hey, is this guy available? Was pretty much told, no, he's not. And then that was the end of it. So no offer made. I don't think Jay Glazer said there was an offer made. I mean, it's all semantics. Kicking tires. Yeah, it's, you know, interest sometimes gets construed as uh, hot and bothered and uh, hot to trot and ready to go and lathered up and made an offer, and those things don't always happen. Um, I think the Naheem Hines deal is a good one because you're giving up a player who was healthy and not playing anyway. Uh, and uh, and a sixth round pick, and I think it's a conditional sixth round pick, right? Yeah. yeah. So who knows what those conditions are? Uh, we don't know yet. Um, I like the Marlowe trade because the Bills need help at safety, even if Poyer is healthy. They only have three on the roster, yep. I think. Uh, so getting a guy who has been with Sean McDermott at Carolina and again in Buffalo has played in this system. You can plug him in. If let's say Jordan Poyer's ready to go. Sunday against the Jets. That doesn't mean he's going to finish the game. Uh, you need a guy who you can put in there and not miss a beat. Is it typical for a player to take an MRI on Monday and now we're taping this late Tuesday night and you don't know any of the results? Do we, not, do we know that he doesn't know the results yet? I haven't heard anything. I haven't read anything. No, I mean, think of all the times you've seen a guy walk out of the stadium in a, in a boot yeah. and he's playing on. So you look at the boot and you think, oh my God, that's serious. Right. No, it's just a sprain and we want to keep it immobile. And who knows? Maybe Jordan Poyer just got spooked uh, because of the elbow injury already. I, I don't know. I don't know. The, I mean, there are, there are, I don't want to read too much into it because sure. I can tell you, I can give you an example on the other side. Whichever thing you want to say, he's fine. I could say, well, if you want to say he's not fine, I could tell you, well, you know, so. Well, but, I, th- I do think there are two very important keys that happened today as we talk about this and record this a few hours after the trade deadline. They elected to release two players and not put Poyer or Milano on IR. 
knowing they both were injured, mm-hmm. I think that they would at least, the Bills are very, very buttoned up with the communication between McDermott and the medical staff. If there was any concern, they might have said, we have to put these guys on IR. They didn't even do anything with a linebacker. They released two guys. They did bring in a safety. I, I agree with Tim. I think that this is more about, hey, we need help no matter what. And if we don't have Jordan Poyer, if he doesn't finish a game, if, if we just, if he, you know, rolls an ankle during the course of a practice or a game, we got to have a guy. Dean Marlowe just comes right in here. He can You can onboard him right away. He can play Sunday. You don't have to miss a beat there. Going back to Hines, what should Bills fans feel about him as a player? You know, what what, what do you anticipate his role being? My, my thought process was it's nothing against James Cook. I just feel like if something were to happen to Devin Singletary near the end of the season, then maybe they didn't feel comfortable with a rookie possibly having to lug too much of the load going into the playoffs. Is Hines just insurance? Is he the guy who's going to be the number two? What, what I do you think there's about two things. And the number one word is trust. I think the Bills got Naheem Hines for two reasons. Number one, in case you come into a critical situation, a critical game, you're like, we trust this guy as a veteran more than maybe James Cook. But also, he is a punt returner. Sean McDermott has proven he does not. He needs to have somebody back there that he can trust. Mm-hmm. you got Khalil Shakir, who I think we all like. Big situation, weather turns, playoff game. Khalil Shakir's back there. We're all kind of like... Okay, make the play, kid. Don't do anything stupid. Now you got Naeem Hines. I think this does that and allows Shakir to go more into an offensive role. I think this is about trust going forward. 100% agree. It's because Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott and the coaches and the staff have seen Naeem Hines do it. Yep. They haven't really seen Cook do it aside from in college. Uh, right. They've seen him do a little bit here and there in a, in a Bills uniform against NFL defenders. But Naeem Hines has a body of work that – gives peace of mind when you put him on the field. He's not going to screw up. Um, The other thing that I do want to point out is I I saw it publicly, but I also heard from people who cover the Colts. It sounds to me like the Bills got their offensive version of Von Miller. Excuse me. Now here's where my voice given out. Of Von Miller in the locker room. Really? A great guy, class individual, a go-to soundbite, but also a motivator, a leader. Wow. Um, so uh, now that that Tim that you, we could talk about this. You know, and I know that matters immensely to this organization. Sure. I mean, now it's not. Now it's different when you're coming in in week eight, right? Or heading into week nine, really, right? Isn't that what we're doing? Because there's a bye. Right. They yes. played it. So we're heading into week nine. We're beyond the halfway point of the NFL season. This isn't a and a great word that you used. This isn't a long onboarding process like you have with Von Miller. This is a guy who's parachuting into the locker room. And it's probably going to pick his spots in terms of, hey, I, we know who Josh Allen is. We know Deion Dawkins is a big personality. Von Miller, all these captains that they have. Mitch Morse. He's not going to come in and be Von Miller. I don't want to say that. Right. But in terms of the character, the classiness, the leadership, I'm, I've heard nothing but praise about how the Colts are losing a big locker room guy in Naheem Hines. And can I get one more thing about the on-field? Mm-hmm. Let's go back to them losing J.D. McKissick. This is the player they've been after, guys. Yeah. This is him, right? I did a comparison today. I tweeted it out. The per-game averages between Hines and McKissick since Hines came in the league, they're almost exactly the same in the receiving game. They literally have the exact mm-hmm. same numbers per game. If you're a Bills casuals Bills fan, well, let's say you don't know anything about Hines, you don't follow the league too much, it's just the Bills, and, and you're, you, know, you only know your own players. What does this tell you about James Cook right now? Is it, does, does it really mean much of anything? Because Hines isn't necessarily a rental player. I mean, he's under contract for two more years. Now, it's not guaranteed money, so, you know, they could do some things during the offseason if they wanted to. I but. didn't start thinking about this till later tonight. 
I actually do think it impacts Devin Singletary. There's no way they're paying. I think that contract that Hines has, which is like four and then five million, is about what maybe Singletary would have been on the open market for the Bills to retain next year. That's about my thought. I can't see both of them. I think this does mean that maybe that's closer to allowing Devin Singletary to move on. As far as Cook, I think it is just giving him that much more of a runway towards his NFL career. He doesn't have the pressure of being that guy uh, in week 19 or whatever week 20 it is in the playoffs. And he takes that swing route out of the out of the backfield and he drops it in the flat. You know, mm-hmm. I'm thinking back on Devin Singletary and Zach Moss having their issues with either fumbles or drops. Um, I think this allows James Cook to just earn his way a little bit more and not be under pressure to have to be the guy on Sunday or Monday night. Uh, one more question. A couple big trades around the league today. The big one, of course, and especially in terms of uh, from a Buffalo perspective, is Miami landing Chubb from Denver. I want, I want your thoughts on that because, and you look at that Miami pass rush and it was they, they had some names out it to begin with, and now you go and, and you add Radley Chubb. That's a it's a formidable front four, and I know a lot of Bills fans don't want to hear that shit, but I'll let the guy who covered the AFCs for a little while. What do you think's first? Well, I don't have a super detailed answer on it, other than I think that Chubb has a bigger reputation than his ability at the moment, and there's mm-hmm. some there's some health problems that he's had. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not as explosive or as a, I don't want to say as explosive as effective because there might be re- other reasons why he's not effective other than explosiveness. But yeah, this is a guy who entered the league uh, like he had his hair on fire and has not necessarily been that player all the time. So yes, I think it makes it that much more difficult for the Bills to game plan against the Dolphins defense. I don't think he moves the needle uh, that much. Yeah, you know I. This is a move that, like, the Rams made last year, right? The Rams mm-hmm. go out and they get Von Miller to win a Super Bowl. I, I respect the fact that, hey, they're they're being risky and going all in, but they're not the Rams of 2021. They're just not. And I think that the risk-reward for what they gave up, remember, they had their first-round pick forfeited next year. Their other first-round pick now is gone. They had all that draft capital they got in the San Francisco trade, which is gone now. So, yeah, this is nice to on the on the surface of, wow, they're going for it. Did they really get better than the Bills? I don't think they did. No, I think they they closed the gap a little bit. And you want to take a look at it from, and as we do more and more these days, look at it from a gambling perspective. This does not change the line. No. This doesn't change the point spread when the Bills and Dolphins play each other. Now, maybe he makes a play or two. Um, He gives you something to think about on every snap. He's out there on the field, yes. But that doesn't mean the Bills can't take care of it. That doesn't mean they can't figure out a way around it or – eat that series when he does come up with the seven seven yard sack on second and 13 mm-hmm. okay so that happens uh but i don't think that he is the a game wrecker um but again trade that's what the trade deadline's for it's about the excitement of this new thing that we got it's like we had a little mini free agency period today with 10 10 trades i think it was involving yeah, 12 set, players a record, record 10 trades that's what i was gonna ask you guys Throw away the, your careers for a second, and you guys are football fans. And your I've already done that <laughs> once or once or twice. <laughs> once or twice. From a fan perspective, not even just football, but just all sports. You know, hockey and baseball. The trade deadlines are always us. Basketball, football is getting that way now. Do you like that? Do you like the fact that so much can happen now in the NFL with trades? I like it. I mean, from a, I'm still a fan. I'm a fan of football. You know, I'm I'm a fantasy football player. Sure. So I think from from a lot of different perspectives. 
I like it. I, I do think it's a little overboard where, um, you know, every single, like, fans just want their team to do something no matter what. Right, and right, that right, part right. of me is like, come on, like, like this is football. They're, right. There's a 53-man roster. And, and I think we get that in Buffalo more than other markets Maybe. because of the hockey aspect yes. of it. Yes, yes. I think that the hockey trade deadline cheapens the sport. I, yeah. I And I love it. It's fun. And I covered a, 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 a trade deadlines galore when I was covering the Buffalo Sabres. You know how many trades there were in the hockey trade deadline? I looked this up before I came here I tonight. Know, like six or something? or No. Trade deadline hockey last year, 33 trades. Oh, geez. Jesus Unbelievable. Christ. But think about that. because Yeah, right. Like, there's so much movement. There's so much yeah. going on in there. It's incredible. Oh, 33. All right. So, yeah, I've always thought that it cheapens the sport. Yeah. It's the rentals. It's the guy. Yes. Yeah, you're, you're making a push, but the guy's not going to be on your roster next season. You're... Your fans don't even have enough time to buy this guy's jersey. Right. Learn where he went to college or what his junior team was or whatever. He's just passing through. It just feels like the concept of football having rental players just feels weird to me. Now, Hines is not necessarily a rental player. Chubb's definitely not a rental player. They gave up a lot to get him. But But you're also talking about still over half of your season to go. Sure. Because there's one game a week. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the National Hockey League, the trade deadline's very late. Yeah. You get him for like a a quarter of the season, a third, you know, like even less than a quarter or whatever it is, but you're getting them late after you've already learned this team and been committed to this team. And then all of a sudden here comes this guy and this new guy. It's a great point. Which is fun. What are are the dolphins when they, by the time the dolphins play, the bills are a different team already. Like like they're, they're getting him now like Chubb, right? Mm -hmm. Here we are on November 1st. They don't play again until December 17th. Like their team is going to change so much and the bills will get a body of work on them. They'll get film on them. Like everything's going to change, and by then, who knows what the standings are going to be? Right. Hi guys. Three trades. Well, I said I, I looked up. I said NHL trade deadline. I looked, and one of the headlines said tracking all the deals. Thirty-three trades. Fifty-three or fifty-six players moved overall. That's absolutely nuts. Well, because you got minor leaguers that you don't have in there, right? NHL, but still, and some of those trades might have been like leading up to the trade deadline, but still, well, that's incredible. That's amazing. Really is. Guys, thank you so much. Tim Graham, Sal Capaccio, Imperial Pizza, South Buffalo. Guys, if you've never been here before, first time for these guys, come get their wings or pizza. Which, by the way, we're going to have some of that because we're done taping here because that's good as well. But thank you everyone for watching and listening. Like I said, 500 episodes. Congratulations on 500. Uh, I really do. I appreciate awesome, it, man. man. You guys are awesome. My first two guests. Wouldn't want to do this with anyone else, man. Thank you guys very, very much. And I'll talk to you guys soon.